Hey everyone, you're listening to Superwomen. Today's guest is Isha Sachet. She is a veteran CNN anchor and the new CEO of OK Media, the multimedia organization dedicated to uplifting the artistic and progressive voice of global black culture. We had an incredible conversation about her work, about how she went from being an anchor to running an entire media company, the landscape of what it looks like for female CEOs and taking over her company, which was once run by men. Take a listen. Aisha, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you. It is so good to be here with you. Happy Friday. Yes, I was excited to see Teal's email come in. She and I have some stories that I'll share with you offline about <laughs> young, young behavior that was, uh, you know, not something I, I do now, but <laughs> I'm here for it. I'm here, ready and waiting. Um, so we'll go into OK Media in a second where you are now, but I would love to touch on some of the specific events within your time at CNN that sort of led to your Gracie Award for coverage. You covered the 24 kidnapping of, you know, more than 200 schoolgirls in northern Nigeria. You've won the Peabody Award for Excellence in Reporting. So I would just love to know, you know, where did you decide to focus once you were there on what stories to tell or what would you be assigned these things? And, and then you, you know, went forth. I think, you know, I think there's there's an element of we're all assigned to tell all the stories that come across our desks, but then there are some that I couldn't let go. And I think the abduction of the Chibok schoolgirls was one of those stories. I think it, it falls in line with stories of inequity, discrimination, um, um, stories about women that I've always been drawn to telling. I mean, I think it, it's not hard to figure out why. I, I mean, yeah, my family is originally from Sierra Leone in West Africa, uh, one of the poorest countries in the world, you know, a country with, you know, unacceptably high levels of um, uh, children dropping out of school, particularly girls dropping out of school and, and you know, I, not necessarily child marriage, but certainly young girls marrying way before that they're ready to 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 do so, and um, all of those things fed into that kind of background fed into my work on screen, and I've always just been focused on telling those stories. So, you know, the Shibok schoolgirl story broke, and we all covered it, but I felt a particular connection to that story as a Black African woman, and felt that. Um, the story was being told in rather limited ways and would very quickly fall from from the news, which it eventually did much sooner than it should have. But I think I, because of my background, just felt that this is a story I had to to, to really champion. How do you not get emotionally, or maybe you do, tied into these stories? Because I remember when you know it was trending on Instagram and you would just see the news coverage and you're just thinking, oh my gosh, you know, I had young kids at the time and I was like, I can't even imagine as a mother what that must be like to, you know, have your daughter disappear. So how, how did you find that line within yourself to be able to keep reporting on this and not just want to cry on screen? I, I think that, you know, in terms of how, how are you not impacted? I think you are impacted. I think, you know, the best journalists are impacted by the stories they tell and the scenes they bear witness to. It's just about not letting that um, derail the reporting. It's just about not letting that um, 
overpower your search for the answers and your ability to hear people with, you know, the, the required objectivity or open-mindedness. But to say that you don't feel it, to say that you don't end the day completely shattered after you've spoken to parents who sent their kids to school with the hope that this would be, you know, the pathway to a better life only to find out that their kids have gone and basically nobody, nobody cares. And, you know, they may never see them again. You've, I mean, I definitely was, was hit hard by it. And it's a story among many stories that still troubles me to this day. I, yeah. I mean, I feel like it, it never fully ended. It's not like all no. these girls were found and mm-hmm. it just kind of like the news cycle had to move on to something else. And, mm-hmm. and oh, okay. So you are doing well at CNN. Things are happening. It's a big jump to go from an anchor to a CEO. So I would love to hear about that transition and trajectory and what went through your mind when that opportunity happened. I think, you know, it was, there was some time in between. Um, uh, so essentially I think that you know, truthfully, I was at CNN and I'd been there for 13 years and then my mother took ill, um, which, you know, a lot of people who follow me know that my mom took ill suddenly. She had a catastrophic stroke. And essentially, I came to this fork in the road where work was making certain requirements or uh, was asking certain things of me that I, I just wasn't in a place to give. And so I quit. And I, you know, I took a look around me and I just thought to myself, I've been doing this for 13 years. It's been a great ride and I'm so grateful for every experience and every moment. But, you know, my mom needed me and I was finishing off a book on the Nigerian schoolgirls kidnapping. And, you know, I, I just felt that I had to bet on me, you know, I had to take that leap of faith and, and, and going and go in a different direction. Um, definitely one of the most challenging moments of, of, of my life, because I, I, I was never going to be a CNN lifer. That's what we call people who'd be just been there for eons. That was never my goal. I'm, I'm a little too, um, I I just don't have the temperament. You know, I I like change and new experiences too much. So I knew that the day would come when I'd seek something new. But truthfully, you know, for the listeners, it wasn't at that moment. That wasn't the moment I was thinking that I was going to leave. But, you know, I had to make a choice. Um, It was put before me and I, I chose me. And so I left Um, and I left to publish my book, to spend more time with my mom. And I left in 2018 and, you know, went on a book tour, published this book. Um, The book came out in 2019, 2020. I had projects in the pipeline and then we all know what happened next. The pandemic shut the world out. (laughs) And what went through your mind at the time? Holy shit. I just holy shit. Like, you know, (laughs) I you because listen, you know, that's that's the thing about, you know, big cushy, you know, let's call it corporate jobs, right? You're in, you don't have to worry about it, you know, you get your paycheck at the end of the month. Everything's like taken care of. You just don't have to worry about it. And then my whole thing was, I'm gonna leave, I'm gonna become an entrepreneur, I'm going to do all this, the stuff. And then the world was like, no, you're not. You're going to be at home and you're going to be like everybody else broadcasting on Instagram and Facebook for the whole of 2020. (laughs) Um, So listen, a lot of anxiety, a lot of anxiety around 
what was going to happen. All the projects that I had in the pipeline basically ground to a halt. All the things that I, I thought I was going to do, including a documentary on, on the girls, a kind of cold case documentary that, you know, I had a, I had a shopping agreement to go out and pitch. And in fact, the week we went out to pitch was the week they did effectively the, the, the lockdowns and nobody had any bandwidth to hear it. So, you know, it was a really trying time. How did you take that anxiety and calm yourself or not? And how did you transition that then into your work with continuing on launching a book? You know, what was, where did you turn to? You know, I just, I, I listen, I just think that, first of all, I, I turned to my love of talking to people. So, you know, one of the things when the pandemic hit, I, I remember lying on, on the sofa and, and just watching hours and hours as this, this brand new virus spread across the world and, and brought with it, you know, sickness and death and anxiety. And one of the things that I thought to myself is where's the coverage of how this is impacting Africa? And, you know, there was just this massive gap. And so I decided that I was going to start broadcasting around that and put together a massive team of almost almost 15 people, I think, at one point. And we built a control room out of Atlanta. And this the beauty of technology was I was able to broadcast a live show with graphics and edits and theme music and all sorts of all sorts of things, play packages. Um, and so I, I think I turned my anxiety into action is what I'm saying. I did that. And then I was doing another show on Instagram, The Bright Side. And I just worked through it. I think I may be one of the few people who worked harder <laughs> during the pandemic. You know, I didn't bake banana bread. No. I didn't do all these things. I just poured myself into, into working and communicating and helping people make sense of the moment. And it was that love of digital that actually set me on a path of thinking about what you could use this technology to do and its reach. And that's what put me in a place to have the conversation with the folks at OK Media um, and to to even start to think about going in to be CEO. It's because of what happened during the pandemic. I think it's incredible that you doubled down and, and did that. And I feel like we, we had a very similar trajectory. My business was falling apart. We lost 70% of it. And oh I was gosh. like, I'm going to do, I'm going to host a live show every night mm-hmm. because why not? You know, absolutely. Like, <laughs> Let me just take this anxiety and turn it into action, which I think some people get paralyzed by, but at least for me and I'm and I'm assuming you now, that's how we get through those moments versus sitting in them. Absolutely. You know, and and I I think that um and I'm a great believer in the in in that in that saying that you know it takes the same amount of of energy to kind of worry or to think positively and i'm also a great believer in the power of your thoughts and the power of action in and of itself you know i'm i um again during the pandemic got a peloton like so many people although many are loading it hence, hence the drop in its <laughs> share price um and um you know ali love in fact no it's it's robin arson who always says movement is medicine and i think it's such a beautiful you know turn of phrase because you know that's what i really do believe i just push myself into activity into action and believe that will catalyze it, it, it will catalyze itself into something into a new opportunity At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. 
behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And so this new opportunity came through OK Media. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I hate it when someone's like, how do you do it all? But seriously, you have OK Media, then you have OK Player, then you have... (laughs) Okay, shop, and then we have spoken word. Yes, yeah, so so there's a ton of verticals to this company. You know, as the CEO, how do you manage all those verticals and and the team? I'm learning. You know, uh, being you know being truthful, I'm I'm learning. I'm learning. Um, I'm I'm in this game a young CEO, and so I think that you know the the, the key thing is 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 figuring out how to use your time if effectively and also i think one of the things that i i'm most grateful for is this this job is allowing me to figure out my leadership philosophy and i, I truly now understand servant leadership and and really i end every meeting and every briefing with 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 a colleague with how can i help because i see my my responsibility first and foremost and my my first priority as ensuring that every single person i work with feels supported feels that they're in an environment where they can thrive feels protected and valued and gets what they need to do their best work and so some days i don't you know sometimes i don't juggle it all as well but i think in the communication with the teams and helping them know that i'm always there for them uh, you know it you know, some days, some days you're closer to giving everyone, you know, an equal share. Some days, some people get more, but if you're communicating, nobody feels left out. I think that's so true and so important. Um, what I'm really impressed with, because my, my co-founder is my brother or was my brother, uh, as the CEO. And Mm -hmm. every time, you know, if, you know, there were several times we got into fights and he goes, you want to be the CEO? And then I would, (laughs) Hear him in a meeting asking all these questions about shipping and profit and loss and the taxes. I was like, Mm -hmm. oh, damn, I could not be the CEO. (laughs) And I know that there's a lot of women who start, you know, who are listening today who started their businesses with a passion. Then it's like, oh, I didn't know I needed to know all that. Mm -hmm. So, what was your learning curve as you went from, you know, being in charge of covering incredible stories and telling, you know, all these great events that are happening or great or terrible events to the day-to-day numbers, business, all of that insanity. Yeah. I think that, you know, um, I'm friends with, with Masai Ojiri, who's president of the Toronto Raptors. And Masai always says that, you know, you hire for your weaknesses and you also hire, you, you want to make sure you have the best, you know, lieutenants you can have around you. So I, I think that, um, the most challenging part for me was definitely the financial side, as, as you're saying, you know, figuring out, um, you know, the profit and loss, um, same as the P&Ls and just being across the the registrations and, and the taxes and, and just just being across all of that and and closing the books on time um, and fundraising, mm-hmm. you know, all of that. That's the tough part. But, you know, I think the key is having really good people and also not being afraid to be vulnerable and and owning what you don't know. I'm a great believer in that. I always say to people, um, nobody can come into a studio and tell me what to do. 
I I know what's happening. I I know how pro- a teleprompter works. I can script. I can I can host. I've got that. And then there are other spaces where you know there there are deficits in in my knowledge and my understanding. And in those spaces, I lean into my humility and I say, I don't know what is that. Can you explain that to me? And that's really how I go about. I don't hide the things I don't know. Um, it doesn't help anyone. It doesn't. And I feel like so many women are afraid and they will hide it. Do you have mm-hmm. any advice for how to push through that? Other than to understand that, you know, there's an acquired strength in the journey and everybody starts from a point of not knowing. So it's kind of like just, I, I ask people to have a sense of perspective, um, which is easier said than done, but to understand that you're not the first person who didn't know. And ultimately, the goal is is not about this moment, but about the next one, about being ready for what comes next. And you've got to learn, got to have an open mind. You've got to be open to learning. And learning involves asking questions. Totally. I love it. So in addition to um, being a very busy CEO, you are actually one of the few Black women leading media companies. Have you encountered, you know, not only a glass ceiling, but you know, you know, with the inherent white male dominance here, um, (laughs) situations and what have you done to push through? Yeah. I mean, again, I think that what's really interesting is that I, um, became a CEO for the first time in a different, um, sector, if you will, in the middle of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So there's so many so many things that I'm becoming accustomed to, but I think, you know, so I haven't been in, in the spaces to necessarily challenge some of the, the, some of the status quo that we see because we we're just not gathering in that way. And, and things have are largely just coming back online now um, and events are happening, but I think it's something that I'm just very struck by, you know, I was struck by it before this moment, before becoming um, CEO of OK Media, because I have a not-for-profit called um, Women Everywhere Can Lead, We Can Lead. And it works with adolescent girls in Sierra Leone, currently paused thanks to the chaos of, of COVID. But that was one of those spaces where, again, just like sitting in the CEO chair right now for OK Media, I just noticed the, the ease with which white males raise money. Mm-hmm. be for charitable or for business endeavors. And it's always struck me that there is so much willingness to give white males the benefit of the doubt or to just assume that the idea will find its way and it will be successful versus for women and in particular women of color. And it, it's definitely a point that it's under discussed, quite frankly, but it's something that I have seen up close and quite frankly, Rebecca, my mouth hits the floor every time, yep. every time. I think, how is this? I mean, look at Elon Musk, right? Mm-hmm. Look at Elon Musk buying Twitter, you know, based on kind of like quite a speculative proposition when you think about it, but he was able to raise the money. Yep. 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 It's, uh, it's, it is jaw dropping. You have described it perfectly. The difference in, um, just general trust. Right. Mm -hmm. And then when you look at the statistics and I'm, I don't want to totally misquote myself, but I think it's like most women owned companies overperform by 10% compared to their male, male 
owned company. So it's like, wait, we'll, we'll actually get you a better return. Yes. <sighs> yes. And, you know, it's the whole thing also like, you know, with female political leaders, look at their nations, they're far more stable. And why is that? It's because we're more inclusive in our decision-making and we're more, anyway, we could go into, we can go into the rant. <laughs> I could feel my blood pressure rising. And my not, I'm not doing that to you on a Friday. I refuse. <laughs> So in addition to OK Media, you have a podcast, The Accidental Activist. Yes. Talk to me about it and how what others should look forward to when tuning in. I love this project. I, I, this is born out of the fact that I was at CNN and with the story of the Chibok girls, found myself getting more and more involved in, in speaking out and using my platform um, to advocate for change and became a UN Goodwill ambassador, um, you know, sometime afterwards and just really found myself in this place as an activist accidentally. And then I, I wanted to tell the story of other people in the public eye who had had their own version of that journey and found themselves um, doing similar things. So the show speaks to people like Jesse Williams, Amanda Seals, Forrest Whitaker, um, Alison Stoner, a whole host of people, Roxanne Gay. Um, and, and really it's about at least my hope is that hearing these people's stories, hearing how a chance twist of fate or how a sudden spark activated them will itself serve as some inspiration for, for everyone, regardless of their walk of life, and that they too will feel the compunction and compulsion to move from the sidelines to the front lines is what I always say. And they'll do their part. I also want them to understand that there's no barrier to entry. What I say to people in, in the show, as we have these conversations is we're trying to get people to do what they can, wherever they are to try and make a difference in what, with whatever issue or issues they're interested in. So it's a great listen. These are in-depth conversations. These are in-depth interviews with my, my takeaways and lessons woven through. So it's part interview, part narrative. And um, I think it's a really great listen. So um, get it wherever you get your podcasts. Awesome. And I love to always end my podcast with two questions. Mm -hmm. What is one piece of advice you'd like to share that either you learned or someone gave to you that you think is valuable to pass on? Um, be open. Um, I, I'm, I'm trying to do this more myself, which is just to keep an open mind and open heart and be open to possibilities. And I encourage everyone to do that. And I think it's become more important to me, the older, that I've, the older I get, um, in just not clinging so steadfast to your notion of what the plan is or what you think the plan should be. I was thinking about this the other day that I think the tensions, the tension, the illness, the anxiety arises in our bodies and in our lives because sometimes we cling to what we think it should be versus what it actually is and what we're experiencing. And it's that tension between us trying to hold on to what's in our minds that causes the dis-ease, the disease, the, the, the stress and anxiety. So I say let go of that and be open and lean into lean into where you are, lean into opportunities that maybe don't even make sense to you, which is what I've done most of my life and, and go with it. I think that's my biggest piece of advice. And it's something that I'm clinging to very much right now. Be open. I love it. 
And then my final question for you, what would we be surprised to know about you? It could be a quirk, a habit, um, a fun fact, something that would be like, oh, didn't think that Aisha was going to say that. <laughs> let me think. Let me go through my list of, 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 of the weird and the wonderful. <laughs> I think people might be surprised to, to, to hear that I still want to act. Okay, let's go into that. I love I still, that. I don't even know what that's about, but I, you know, it's some. It's where I started. I, I really wanted to be an actress. In fact, I left home at sixteen with that desire, and um, got into journalism. And I think people would be surprised to hear, or maybe they wouldn't. Maybe they'll just say, "With all your melodrama, of course you want to act." But yeah. I love it. What kind of acting would you like to do? Like, do you want to be on a drama, a comedy? Do you want a reality show with like scripted? No, no realities, no scripted reality. I would like to be, I'd like to be in a drama. I, I, I actually, mm-hmm, I, that's, that. you know, I want to be in some kind of, oh my goodness. So it, it goes between high-minded and I want to do reams of dialogue, kind of Aaron Sorkin reams of dialogue in kind of like a chest puffed out way and talking about, you know, the foundations of our democracy a la West Wing to I just want to be Olivia Pope and be just a badass. I want to be in Scandal. I love it. Well, I look forward to seeing you on screen. <laughs> be open. Yes, of course. One day I'll, I'll go back to my roots as a dancer and, and uh, people will get to, well, maybe I won't dance, but I'll choreograph something. How's that? <laughs> I like it. Yeah. I like it. Uh, well, thank it. you so much, Aisha. Where can people connect with you if they want to follow you, get to know you, Twitter, Instagram, all the things? All the things. Um, Twitter, it is um, at Aisha Sasay and Instagram, it is I am Aisha Sasay. And I'm on all those, you know, all in all those places, sometimes more than others, but always around. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time today Thank you. and all of your incredible work. Thank you, Rebecca. It's such a pleasure. And I hope to see your work on a stage soon. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Bye. Be well. Take care. I just wanted to thank you guys for listening to today's episode. I also want to ask you to rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. I know it's a pain in the butt, but it actually helps with search and algorithm. So if you love this podcast, it is an easy way to get it more visible and out there. I also want you to follow me on Instagram at Rebecca Minkoff at RM Superwomen and be sure to check out my book, Fearless, The New Rules for Unlocking Creativity, Courage, and Success. Thank you again and you will hear from me next week.